0: Before I begin, uh, I had a question in the box. I tell you I'll answer any question, so I'm going to answer this one. Somebody said, what are those three carolers? <laughs> Where did they come from? Um, <clears throat> there, there was some folks here, and I think they're both gone now. They both died, uh, but... Uh, they were collectors of old things, and they were moving away to uh, uh, New Hampshire. And they said, we got these things, and we wondered if you wanted them. And I said, what is it? And they said, well, I'll, we'll show them to you. Well, they brought a crate with those three carolers in, and the Santa Claus that's on the wall in the back room, uh, he was, he's part of the set. And they are made of plaster. Very, 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 we have no idea how old they are. Never seen anything like them before. They were in a plaster mold, but if you look at them closely, you'll see somebody had to work them after they came out of the mold. And so, uh, very old, we don't know how old, Uh, very, very unique. Never seen anything like it anywhere else. Where would they belong here, naturally? All right? So uh, that's who, where they came from and uh, they are unique and we treat them with extra tender care because if they broke, I'd cry. They're very unique and we like them because they belong in a place like this. <clears throat> so I have no idea how old they are, uh, never seen anything like it, but I'm guessing that they're back in the maybe 1920s (laughs) possible uh maybe from that era kind of looks like that so that's all i can tell you and i tell you i like them all right elisha was we're talking about today we're talking about death And God's response to the human condition, which is we're all going to die. And uh, so there's a a response to that. And we begin to follow through the Bible a few things. And we saw uh, death suspended twice in the Bible, uh, which is really uh, extraordinary. Elijah and... We talked about Enoch, Genesis, Enoch, and then Elijah, and these two men were taken straight to heaven without dying. So we saw God able to suspend that rule, which is the soul that sinneth, it shall die if he chooses to. Now, as far as we know, that's only happened twice in the history of the whole world, two people went up to heaven, and that's all we know about. So he has the power to do it, and we just contemplated that they might come back and die. We talked about the witnesses in the book of Revelation. Uh, last week, we talked about the first resurrection with Elijah. We talked about the story of the widow and her his, her son, Who died, and Elijah stretched himself on the boy and brought him back to life. And that's the first time in the Bible that that happened. All right, now we're gonna look at the second time that it happened, and we're thinking about what God's trying to say to us about life and death. Uh, What's He communicating? By raising this particular person from the dead. 2 Kings chapter number 4 for our text today. 2 Kings chapter number 4. And we have a, kind of a long story here, but we'll read it quickly through because it's very fascinating in my mind. It's a very fascinating story. This is somebody raising up somebody from the dead. Uh, that's, that's interesting. <laughs> Verse 8. Second Kings four verse eight. It fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunem, where it was a great woman. That's a very uh, not famous woman, so much as a wealthy woman lives there. And she constrained him to eat bread. And so it was that off as he passed by he turned in thither to eat bread. So he eats meal every time he goes by at the house. She said to her husband, Behold, now I perceive that this is a holy man of God which passes by us continually. Let's make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall, and let us set for him there a bed, and a table, and a stool, and a candlestick. It shall be when he cometh to us, he shall turn in thither. So they make a little apartment on their house, when he lies comes by. He's got his own little apartment. All right. Verse 11. Fell on the day that he came thither, turned into the chamber and lay there. And he said to Gehazi, his servant. All right. Now enter into the story this fellow named Gehazi. Uh, He is a servant, a helper to Elisha. He's going to be important in the story. Verse 12, he said to Gehazi, his servant, Call this Shunammite, call the woman. When he called her, she stood before him. He said unto him, Say now unto her, Behold, thou hast been careful for us with all this care. What's to be done for thee? Wouldst thou be spoken to for the king or to the captain of the host? And she answered, I dwell among my own people. I like it. He said, I know important people. I can mention your name. to I don't need that. <laughs> I had somebody tell me once, you know, there's people you could talk to who would help you. Important people. I said, I don't need them. I got God. I don't need, I don't need important people. And that's what she said. I don't need that. And he said, well, what is done for her? Gehazi answered, verily she hath no child, and her husband is old, too old to have children. And he said, call her. And when he called her, she stood in the door, and he said, "About this season, according to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son." And she said, "Nay, my lord, thou man of God, do not lie under thy handmaid. I am too old. We're all too old." The woman conceived, bare a son at this season. Elijah said unto her, "According to the time of life." We see it over and over in the Bible, right? Older people having babies, ESPECIALLY blessed by God. Verse eighteen. And when the child was grown, it fell on a day that he went out to his father, to the reapers, said to his father, my head, my head. And he said to a lad, carry him to his mother. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon and then died. So he's not a big grown up. He's a small, smaller boy still. He brings him sick, sits on his mother's knees, and he dies. She went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door on him and went out. So Elijah's apartment has a bed and she goes, lays the dead son now on the bed shuts the door out she goes called her husband said send me i pray thee one of the young men and one of the asses that i might run to the man of god and come again he said wherefore wilt thou go to him today is neither new moon or sabbath he said, it's not a holiday or it's not a, a sunday uh why are you going and she said it shall be well good answer good answer what does she think so you think he can raise that boy from the dead? Hmm. So she saddled an ass and said to her servant, Drive, go forward, slack not thy drive from me except that I bid thee. She went to came to the man of God to Mount Carmel. It came to pass when the man of God saw her far off, he said to Gehazi, his servant, behold, yonder is the Shunammite. Run now, I pray thee, to meet her and say unto her, is it well with thee? Is it well with thy husband? Is it well with the child? And she answered, it is well. And so she says uh, to her husband, it's gonna be fine. And Gehazi, who's a lot younger, runs to the woman and says, what's up? nothing. Everything's good. It is well. All right. It is well. And then here's where it gets fascinating. Verse 27. She came to the man of God, Elisha, to the hill, caught him by the feet. She grabs him, laying on the ground, got him by the feet. Gehazi came near to thrust her away. Get away. Don't do that. And the man of God said, Let her alone, for her soul is vexed within her, and the Lord hath hid it from me, and hath not told me. There's a fascinating thing. The Lord hid it from me. And he says, I don't know what's wrong with her. She's grabbed hold of my feet. She's got some very serious problem. I don't know what it is. God hid it from me. He wasn't used to that. See? He wasn't used to that. God doesn't hide anything from me. I can do whatever I want to do, and God tells me, and off we go. And God hit it. I don't know what's wrong. She's got my by the feet, and I don't, don't know what's wrong. God hit it. it. It's being in tune with God. And being in tune with God is a pretty uh, unique thing to be. Pianos are in tune because we tune them to be in tune. And if I play this note, what do you hear? Can you hear it? There's a note playing. It's not the note I play. You hear that one. The reason you hear it because this note set that one vibrate. And so... I play that note. Hear it? You can hear it vibrate. Maybe your ear sign is good, you can't hear it. But it's vibrating. One note, perfectly in tune with the other note, causes the string to vibrate. Same is true with God. Perfectly in tune with God. God moves, you feel it. God moves, you know it. To be perfectly in tune with God. Elisha is perfectly in tune with God. God does something, he knows it. He can feel it. He can feel like the piano string, feels the vibration. And so, uh, there's a whole bunch of notes on there, we could do the same thing. And so, what it is, is he's surprised. How come I don't know this? Why don't I know it? Why would God keep a secret from from Elisha? Interesting question. Let's go on. See if we can answer the question. All right, we're at verse 20. Verse 28. And she said, did I desire a son of my Lord? Didn't I not say, do not deceive me? She said, I didn't ask for a baby. You offered it. right. I didn't ask. And he said to Gehazi, Gird up thy larns, take my staff in thy hand, go thy way. If thou meet any man, salute him not. If any man salute thee, answer him not again. Lay my staff on the face of the child. So Gehazi says, I want you to go and uh, take my staff and run. You're younger than I am, you run to that house and I want you to lay my staff on the dead boy's face, Verse 30. And the mother of the child said, "As the Lord liveth and as I so liveth, I will not leave thee." He still got her by the feet. She still got him by the feet. So he rose and he said, "All right, let's go." And Gehazi passed on before them, laid the staff on the face of the child, but there was neither voice nor hearing. Therefore, he went again to him, and saying, The child is not awakened. So, first response from Elisha take my staff as fast as you can, run, and put it on that boy's face. So he runs ahead, puts it on the face, just laying her dead. It didn't work. He runs back. It didn't help. It didn't work. Um, wonder why. See the woman, remember what she said? She said to her husband, it's gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay. I'm gonna go get Elisha. And uh, she thinks Elisha can help. And when Gehazi says, what's up? Oh, it's good. She don't want him. <laughs> she don't want Gehazi. All right? And come to find out, she's right. Gehazi is a bad apple. When we go a little bit further in the story of Elisha. We meet Naaman, who's got leprosy. And Naaman is told by Elisha, go wash in the Jordan River. He goes, I don't want to wash that muddy old river. But he goes and does it, and he's cured from the leprosy. He's a very wealthy man. He goes back, says, I got some money for Elisha. Oh, he won't take it, says Gehazi. He won't take it. But I'll take a little. I'll be happy to take some. He says, good, I'm happy to give it to you. There he took it. And Gehazi went home. That's money in his pocket. He's pretty happy. He gets home. He lies. He said, what's in your pocket? Nothing. And he says, you got money in your pocket from the man with leprosy. Now you got leprosy. And right before your eyes, he's covered with leprosy. He's a bad apple. He's got a bad heart. So the stick in the hand of Gehazi is of no value because there's no life in Gehazi, no value in the stick. Elisha's first response is, take my stick. But it's a wrong response. He said, God hid it from me. And my first response is, run, get my stick. But that didn't work. All right? So it's a little test for Elisha. All right, Now let's go on. See what happens. Verse 32. When Elisha was coming to the house, behold, the child was dead and laid on his bed. He went in, therefore shut the door between the twain and prayed unto the Lord. And he went up and lay on the child, put his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, his hands on his hands, stretched himself upon the child and the flesh of the child waxed warm. Then he returned, walked to the house to and fro, went up and stretched himself on him again. The child sneezed seven times, and the child opened his eyes. When he called Gehazi, he said, Call the Shunammite. So he called her, and he said to her, Come in, take up thy son. She went in, fell at his feet, bowed herself to the ground, took up her son, and went out. It's an amazing, wonderful thing. All right? So what's going on what's going on what's he been told all right well i want you to see And if you remember from last week you remember what happened last week with the uh, second first king 17 when when elijah did the same thing here's what he did he said to her give me thy son he took her out of his bosom carried him up to the loft where he abode laid him on his bed Same thing, right? Cried to the Lord, O Lord, the God that was brought evil upon the widow with whom I soldiered by slaying her son. Stretched himself on the child three times. Cried unto the Lord said, O Lord, my God, I pray, let this child's soul come to him again. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came into him again, and he revived. So, try to stick. Stick don't work. Boy's dead. All right, what am I going to do? I'm going to do exactly what Elijah did. I'm going to stretch myself out on the dead body. So he stretches himself out. says, mouth on the mouth, eyes on the eyes, hands on the hands. And as he's stretched out, he can feel the flesh is turning warm. But he's not alive. But his flesh is turning warm. And he goes and prays again. Comes back, lays himself out again, and the boy sneezes seven times. Gets up, says, so, "Where am I?" <laughs> and he r- resurrected him from the dead. All right. Now, if you look, is an important part of the story. Back a couple pages to chapter two. Elijah, who's from last week, who resurrected the boy, and Elisha, who just resurrected another boy from the dead, are taking a walk. And they're walking together. And uh, so as they're walking along, in verse 8, Elijah took his mantle, wrapped it together, smote the waters, that's the Jordan River, and they divided hither and thither, so they both went across on dry ground. It's miraculous. And he goes up to heaven, which we have discussed a couple weeks ago, on a chariot. And his clothes fall off, his coat falls off. So, Elisha, the one who's left, says he took up the mantle of elijah that fell from him went back and stood by the bank of the jordan took the same coat that elijah did fell from him smote the waters. where's the lord god of elijah and when he smitten the waters they parted thither and he comes back across and the what they say and the sons of the prophets who were viewing him at jericho saw him and they said the spirit of elijah does rest on Elisha. And so they share the same spirit. They have the same spirit resting on them. Spirit that used to rest on Elijah now rests on Elisha. What spirit is that? That's the Holy Spirit we call it. Alright. Same person of the Trinity that we have coming on us. Here it comes on us. All right? Now, think about how they did this. They stretched their bodies out, both of them are on the dead body. And it's like what? You want your life to go in to him because they're mouth to mouth. I don't know if they did mouth to mouth. By that time, anybody who knows about those things said, well, that, that wouldn't help now. Uh, But Genesis 2, watch this. Verse 7. The Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. So he made a human body that's dead, but it's all made. And breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living soul. So, where'd they get their idea? So, God did when He made the first human. He made a body and it's laying in the dust because He made it from the dust and He breathed life into it. And so, He is a life giving spirit. the life-giving spirit that Elijah passed down to Elisha it's the Holy Spirit and he breathed life into the human race in the beginning and he still does as far as I'm concerned every baby that is born has the breath of God put into him and they live. And Don't think we did it on our own. All right. It is the breath of God breathing into people that makes them alive. He is a life-giving spirit. Now, I want to answer the question. Why does God resurrect two boys? One under Elijah first and the second one under Elisha. Why does God do that? What's God thinking when he resurrects these two boys from the dead? What's in God's mind? Well, if you were to read 1 Kings where you come to the story of Elijah and then read on through into 2 Kings where woven into the text of the story of these two prophets, you would come to a conclusion. The nation of Israel is dying. The nation of is dying. There's not one good king on the whole list of the northern kingdom of Israel. There's not one good king on the whole list. They have rejected God totally. They're building idols that they worship at all over the place. They build a great big calf, worship the calf, don't worship God. And uh, and so, there's a total rejection of God, and the nation is dying spiritually, but now we have proof right in the middle of all that evil that's going on that there is a life-giving God able to resurrect the dead. And He is breathing life into people that want it. All right? Spiritual life into your heart. Folks, we don't need to live in the darkness. We don't need to live in those bad places. God can breathe life into us. He has the power to breathe life into you. And if you are feeling worn out and like you're just not accomplishing anything, He has the power to do it. All right. He is not willing that any should perish. But that all should come. And so here in the middle of the Old Testament, we have these two fellows, Elijah and Elisha. Of all the prophets, they didn't write anything. You got Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Daniel and Malachi and all the rest of them in between her. They all wrote things down. God didn't want these two guys to write. He wanted them to act. Because some of you will read Isaiah, and some of you will read Malachi, some of you will read, and a lot of you say, well, that's hard reading. So you can read these exciting stories and still come to understand there is a life-giving God, who it is his nature to breathe life into us. You have these wonderful stories, these exciting stories, of these men who lived the way they did, served God so much in tune with God that they're surprised, God didn't tell me that? I can hardly believe it. All right. You you ever had that thought? <laughs> Gee, God didn't tell me that. You see, God didn't tell me anything. Well, He will, if you give him a chance you listen well enough. But here. Two resurrections we've had. And they're both children. And you're going to come to the regular question. That always comes up. When we're talking about death. And that's why. Do. Children. Die. Why do. Children die. And the only answer, the only answer is, I don't know. There's no other answer. God didn't tell us why children die. He didn't tell us that. And I've sat by gravesides and had people ask me that, and I have to tell them the truth. I don't know. I buried little babies. I I don't know. I don't know. And anybody tells you they know is not telling the truth. Why did these two boys die? Well, I think we can maybe say with these two, because God was going to use their lives to teach about resurrection from the dead so that in our hearts and in our minds there would be this thought. We've got a life-giving God. We have a life-giving God. He can breathe into us life. And think about it. Think about it. These two boys in the middle of the Old Testament and and, uh, where people really didn't know much about God were raised from the dead by these two prophets. I'm going to say, number one, because Elijah and Elisha were perfectly in tune with God. All right. first of all. Secondly, God is trying to get a point across to a nation of his that is withering on the vine. They're dying. And they would soon afterwards go into captivity and disappear and be gone. The whole nation died. He's telling them, you don't have to do that. That's not necessary. I am a life giving God if you'll take it from me. I want to breathe it into you. Alright? Now, so there's a purpose why these boys are resurrected at this time. So that people will stand up and take notice. Now as we go through more resurrections in the Bible, it'll become more and more intense. More and more intense. The next one we're doing is crazy. Crazy one. (laughs) I wish I was doing it, but it's Levi's turn. So next week, we'll do the next resurrection in the Bible. And I think you'll be surprised. Thank you.